simultaneous? If they're simultaneous as they're going to be. That's awesome. That's cool. All right. Wait. Oh, yeah. Hold up. That's cool. We got a little video action going um, in this second episode of Henry and Hops. We're surprised that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be cool. Maybe you'll see it. All right. Oh, yeah, flip that thing around so we know what the hell we're looking at. Oh, this is great. We should probably tip it a little bit, but... Yeah. Angles, no, it's cool. Whatever. It's fine. Whatever? Yeah, I like it. We'll have... For Elijah. For Elijah. <laughs> All right. So... Or future guests, right? Yeah, if anyone wants to pop in. What do you got for me? What do you got for me? Oh, yeah, I forgot my notes. Uh, why don't you pop that beer and talk a little bit about what it is? All right, team. Today, check it out. It's got a nice American uh, flag top on there. I'm very excited. Made this myself, putting in an old dogfish head bottle. And it looks like it's pretty carbonated, so that's going to be... It's going to be a plus. And I helped bottle it. That's right. You remember bottling this one? Yeah. Uh, mm. We were... Uh, we bottled the beer last time when we recorded the transitions for episode one. And songs. Well, those are part of the transition, oh, I think. Okay. Oh, this looks crazy. It's not going to be very carbonated. It's way think. darker than I expected it to be. Although we were talking about how dark it was that day, I believe. Yeah. It's, it's very dark. Alrighty. Oh, man. So, so what was the style you were going for? So, yeah, a little background. I don't even have a name for this bitch yet, but basically it's a big IPA that I brewed based off of a kit that my dad got me for Valentine's Day. It's the kind of pops I have. It's really quite a nice guy. He's, <laughs> He's a great guy. All right. Here's to Paul Meyer. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. I like that. Yeah, it's good. It's a little... I, I mean, I wish it was a little more carbonated, obviously. Yeah, this is more carbonated than the ones I've had. I, I think that's because you didn't let them dry. I'm going to put that out there. We talked about that that day. I said it was going to ruin the carbonation. You said it did matter. Mm. Here's what I think. Um, we, that, that might be part of it, but my already, I already expressed concern over the whole idea of how the yeast like started uh, stopped fermenting earlier. You know what I mean? It should have gone for maybe two days. Like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, it didn't? It was more like one day and it was more Oh, mine like, usually does like four days. Yeah, in a perfect world. Exactly. And I don't know why. I just think I probably mucked something up a little bit with the whole addition of the yeast, but I got the temperature low enough. I was worried it might have been a little too low. Makes you wonder what the alcohol content is. I think it's fucking alcoholic. I just think it was It tastes like it, but that could also be the hops. No, well, it does have a hoppy bite in the end, but I think it's alcoholic, but it just wasn't alcoholic. and It wasn't yeasty enough to perpetuate the proper carbonation that we needed. Speaking of hops, this is Henry and Hops. Mm-hmm. It's the intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer, and talking about politics. Oh, Henry and Hops. Hops. Politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have Henry a brew, Hops. maybe just three or two, perchance discover new Henry shit that Hops. we never knew. So come along. That's the Henry end of our Hops. song. Yeah. Oh, that, that actually is the end of... That's it. Uh, we just talk culture and shit. Ah, cheers. Welcome. Hunter and Juice Box. Or Josh. Yeah. Um, how you guys been? We've been we've been good. It's been about what, fucking four months now? Yeah. Well, it's been a, probably about a month since our first episode. Uh so the whole Evangie Gaudium is out and uh we listened to it. Uh this is our first episode after listening to part one. Oh yeah, so exactly. So this is gonna be this the, the second are we going to call it the second episode or the third episode? Well, we're going to call it the second episode, but it's really the third episode. Yeah. It's like a nonsense system. It's okay. Yeah. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's a very good point. I just was clarifying that it was both. Um, oh, man. So much to talk about. But real quick, yeah. So we haven't released it yet. It'll be released tomorrow. Uh, this is recording. Uh, it's early Well, May. tomorrow maybe, but in the next couple days. Okay. Well, yeah. Yes. Assuming. Um... You know, getting all getting all the web jams up there. This again, what I was talking about was transparency in the first episode. I was I was listening to it when I was getting ready this morning. Oh man, you guys are gonna love it. Yeah, well, I, I fucking love it. Anyway. Yeah, I love it too. But I, I think the big problem and what why we're changing the format, which is what I think we want to discuss here. Oh, excellent. Is that uh, we we felt that the footage when we were out, you know, on the streets and at the bars was funny at times, but a lot of it uh, kind of felt stale long and just we're chewing a lot yeah yeah exactly and we're chewing time just chewing and, and yeah yeah exactly uh so we decided that we're gonna do a more traditional podcast where we record in a certain place 
Um, but we're still going to have the adventure. We're going to take pictures. We're going to write notes. And then we're going to come back and talk about the adventure here. Feels It's going to be a little more organic. Yeah, so we got these yeah. mics that we bought. We got this like place that we're going to be every time. It'll probably change. I, I don't want to do it at my apartment every time. Right yeah. now we're at my apartment. Yeah, welcome. Um, um, my apartment. Yeah, we're in New York. Yeah, oh, New York. No, on the Upper East Side. Yeah, Upper, upper East Side. We won't get any more specific than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but we are sorry. talking about the Upper East Side today, I think. Oh, man. Well, give me one second real quick, though. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before we jump into that. Yeah, I, of course. I do want to jump into that. No, 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 that's fine. Transition, and now I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> um, oh, I want to finish up about homebrewing and the beer before we get to Oh, yeah, of course. I mean? This is, no, this is, the beer is just as important. Yeah, I, well, no, I, I know that you believe that. Uh, perhaps more important. Um, anyhow... So, basically, this was going to be a big old double IPA. Um, West, it's called, it's called like Cascade Mountains Double IPA was the kit. And it was the weirdest kit that I've oh, ever yeah, seen. Oh, yeah, I saw the kit when I was there. Because I was like, yeah. I, I'm surprised when people get kits. I, myself, have considered getting kits multiple times. But every time I think, I can just make these ingredients myself or, or find this, a better combination. Well, yeah, and exactly. And... My dad's always been big about giving these, these things. So what I usually do is I use that as a starting thing, and then I you know triple the hot bill. I add some much more in- interesting grains, but usually yeah, I build a recipe off of multiple different recipe kind of concepts online. You well, know? my big concern is that I don't know if it's cheaper to buy the ingredients in the package than it is cheaper to buy them individually. And this is what I was going to get to. I think, uh, perhaps sadly, but it makes more sense. It's slightly cheaper, I think, generally, to buy the uh, pre the box. But together. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, I, I yeah. mean, it feels like there's there's an entire market there that is being missed out on. So maybe just like base kits? Yeah, base kits of some sort. For, for like not just... Because I think that kits are kind of associated more generic. with brewers. Yeah. And you could have like... Um, I mean, a lot of these companies, there's more beer and all these other com- websites and, and, and mail sites that... They kind of offer that, especially because they do like partial extract kits. They they sell all all grain kits, which is kind of a rarity. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. not you know, can't be a novice and just be making all grain. Um, but but and, that's that's yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Advanced uh, advanced brewing kits. That's a really good so, call. We'll put somebody in, get on that. Put it on the idea box. Um, we should actually make an idea box. That'd be fun. Then we could like have a look at like, suggestion box. And it'd be like a little um, sound we could put in when we put something in it. Oh, Wee-hoo! oh. Or like yeah, that's a, for just for us or like for yeah. the podcast. Yeah, just for like or, yeah, just yeah, like Fantastic. business ideas. Idea box. Cha-ching! Maybe it's a money symbol. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the best one. That's great. Um, okay, and anyhow, so that's for the idea box. Yeah. Cha-ching. Yeah, exactly. We put. We put, um, oh, I did put a lot more hops into this, and I dry hopped it with, I bought an ounce of uh, whole cone Cascade hops. I'd never used whole cones before. Mm. They're so pretty. Yeah. They're so pretty. And I was an, I was an asshole. I've actually never used whole oh, cones man. myself, ever. Oh, it's the first time I ever used them, because they're in season now, I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But they're, they're still dry, so they're not, like, fresh. Oh, well, maybe I have used right? them, then, because yeah. I've used, They're like, not pellets. They're just, like... Oh. Right. Well, I think I've used non-pellets, but mine were, like, I feel like they were cut up a little bit more. Does that ever happen? Did I make that up? That might happen. I'm not sure. Mm. Anyhow, so might have made that up. I don't know. I don't know. And I didn't. We didn't have enough bottles when we were bottling. Remember? Mm-hmm. And so I still got some sitting there because I only dry hopped this guy with that for like a day or two days, which is stupid. Um, so this one's been dry hopping for like what was that? Three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's definitely hoppy. I mean, that's like the the most distinctive character. I can I can taste. I thought it was gonna be really piney, but it yeah, ended up being wish. very citrusy. I think it's just too bitey. I hate that it's like tingling in the back of my mouth. <sighs> I mean, it, it sort of reminds me of a, like Torpedo. Yeah. Sierra Nevada. Ooh, yeah, I love that beer. I think that it's a lot more nuanced than this. Um, I don't know about that. I have a, I have a major problem with that beer. I see, feel like... I love it. I had one last night. But maybe night. I was overloaded on it by you senior year. It was the best six-pack to buy down the street. Uh, from, Billiam's uh, beer store. Yeah, built from Billiam. <laughs> um, no, so what I was going to say is that the weirdest thing about this recipe is that it called for like, like, and it came with six pounds of sugar you just put into the boil. Like, what the fuck? You know, use the whole point of like brewing is you extract sugars from grains and then the, the yeast eat the sugars that have been boiled out of the whatever, you know, mulch that you've got left. And so it was like liquid extract, sugar, which is almost the same thing. I mean, liquid extract is already, that whole process has been expedited. Yeah. Um, and, um, pardon me, 
and uh, finally, like maybe one pound of specialty grain. Just so, so you don't think you used enough yeast, or? No, I mean the whole. It, Everything is sound in terms of I think the yeast. The yeast was a pretty good re- uh, ratio. I maybe I fucked up when I tried to do a starter. I tried to do a yeast starter, but just that day, like just get it going, like right before, like as I was as I was brewing, like in a little, in a little oh, hot pit. Maybe I okay. just killed it. It's possible. But I didn't kill it because it clearly is fermented. No, it's definitely fermented. But maybe I mean, I killed but a maybe lot killed, of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. It is interesting. It's not. It's not bad. But I feel yeah. like this is a problem with a lot of home brews. A lot of, um, I would say, twenty percent of the home brews that I have from people who I consider amateurs, not not like professional home brews. There's some people who are pretty advanced, yeah. uh, end up flat or or some degree of flat. See, because it's funny because it's rarely my problem ever. The usual <laughs> problem is they explode. Actually. Oh wow. Yeah, I, I remember like in that episode of Breaking Bad. It was homebrew. Yeah, I know you haven't seen it. Breaking Bad, best TV show ever. There's an episode where... Ever? Is that ever. Just, you're gonna, oh, 100%. You're going to lock it in for posterity just so it's somewhere out there? Yeah. Once it goes on the internet? Yeah. Man, it smells kind of like gasoline a little bit. At least so far. And I'll, say, I'll say so far. Okay. There might be a better one. I, Black Mirror's pretty amazing. Uh, That's a British TV show. Really messed up. Black um, Adder? No, Black Mirror. Black Adder's very different. Is Black, Black Mirror is the one in the bookstore? No. No, that's Black Books. That's a good one. Black Mirror is like a Twilight Zone, uh, really dark political satire, but it's not so much funny as it is disturbing and thought-provoking. I've had more conversations with Jade, my girlfriend, about um, Black Mirror than I have about any other TV show <laughs> I've ever watched. And we've won- there's only six episodes. Well. Two of them inspired nights and nights of conversation. I don't want to ruin any of it. But. Love making. No, it's a conversation. <laughs> yeah, That'd I, be a different show. I just Black, if Black Mirror inspires lovemaking in anyone, do you need to get your brain checked? Yeah. I want to just comment real quick that on the little feedback thing we have here in the camera, it looks an awful lot like Wayne's World. Like it looks just like <laughs> so low budget. Like it's kind of. I guess it's part of our. I charm. like being Wayne's World. I'm yeah, fine I, with that. I guess that we kind of do the same thing with like making songs too, you yeah, know, like I, yeah. And now that when I said that out loud, I was like, that is an honor, even if if, if one day we can even attain, attain that level. Of, yeah, uh, I would love to make a awesome, journey movie. Awesome like, that would be anything near Wayne's World. Oh, dude, <laughs> a journey movie? Check this out. Road trip. Yeah, dude. So yeah. check this out. This is a crazy little thing that happened to me yesterday at work. Um, so I'm in work and. I work at a cheese shop in the terminal, and I see the chef, uh, Mike Solo from from um, Zahav. What's Zahav? Uh, uh, an excellent. I think it's the best restaurant in in Philadelphia. It's like a. Um, and I'm not sure if it's weird if I'm talking about this on the podcast, but whatever. Um, uh, Are you a, worried they'll be offended by being called the best restaurant in Philadelphia? No, I, just, I don't know. It's, Other yeah. restaurants will be offended. No, I don't even know why I said that, but whatever. Well, um, so, awesome, like, kind of new Israeli kind of street food-ish take. Oh. Like, like, he does the best hummus that I've ever had in the world. That's a little cliche, but they bake all their, like, bread in-house. And he does crazy things with lamb and with, with just giant plates to share. Like, it's all about sharing. It's just, mm. it's very, like, a relatively casual atmosphere. Um, it's all sharing plates. And the prices, like, for, for the food and for... The quality of service and everything else, and drinks and whatnot. Um, they have Gold Star Lager, Israeli's uh, Amber Amber Lager. I've never had that. It's okay. I also haven't been to Israel though. I haven't either. I only have had it there. That's my uh, plight or mistake as a Jew. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't take advantage of birthright in time. My last chance would have been like this month, and I'm not. I'm not. Dude, going, obviously. Why do you need to do it? Uh, we can there was always this. something. Do you want to go right now? You can't go. Mm, I could probably get in. There was always... Well, actually, maybe because you're engaged to Sarah. If you convinced them you were going to convert... How old are you? 26. We shouldn't talk about this on here. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't do birthright because there always seemed to be something in the way... And I figured I'd go someday, no matter what. And you I know the fuck that it's free. But it's the same also, age. But we also have to get... Well, yeah, but you could be like half a month... Half a year younger... I am actually 
You're about older, a right? month older. older so you. you're fucked too. You can't go at this point. You'd have to have signed up for May. It's 26th of the last year. But the point is that I, I felt like also from what I've heard about the trips, it's kind of an indoctrination. Oh, like of course. They treat it as if uh, we should be preaching Zionist behavior yes. as well as going to Israel. And I don't think that I want that well, scope of I mean, my experience. I also, I want to be more in the culture. Like, Okay, so I've taken two major trips to Asia in my life. Yeah, yeah. one. I want to give. Okay. okay, sorry. No, go that's ahead. Real quick about. That's fine. No, just we we. Do, that's I think that's a well understood kind of like opinion that um or well. Oh, with birthright. Opinion. Yeah, birthright sure. is all about come move to Israel and don't question um what land we occupy, which is great, and I'm, we're not going to get political about um. I think it's a pretty complicated issue. Oh no, that was, that's, that would be like a whole a whole series of different podcasts. Yeah, that I, I don't think we should. Touch <laughs> it would never now. end, just like the peace talks. Yeah, it would. It certainly would be job security, though. So that'd be good. You that's know? interesting. Yeah, keep you employed as a as a. I mean, it's good news. I, I, guess. Feel, I feel so many people are commentating on that. Yeah. Oh no, it's no. And We'd I'm be gonna, jumping into the fray. No, I was just being. I was making a joke. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, I think that's like test test went on the. Um, the fucking like sports one, right? Which is like the cooler, like kind of more casual one. Oh yeah, I wanted to go on the uh, biking adventure one, like the hiking and. They make it sound so awesome, and I'm sure it is. Tess had a great yeah. time, but she also said that you know it's like and I don't want to quote her on, on whatever. Well, we can black out her name. Yeah, you can quote, you can quote anonymous. Mm-hmm. Mm. But okay, so the, can I say what I want to say about the Asia thing? Yeah, sorry. Anyhow, right. you know, just follow that. That you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So. uh... I, I've been on two major trips to Asia in my life. Uh, the first one was when I went to China in 2008 for the Olympics with a bunch of friends and we didn't know what we were doing. And we met up with my other friend who was Chinese, so he kind of knew what he was doing. But he hadn't been there since he was one years right. old. Uh, and then the other one was this cruise uh, kind of vacation thing I went on with uh, my girlfriend's family where we went to Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia. And I feel like the experience I had in China was much more authentic and I learned so much more about the country and the culture because I was immersed inside of it uh, without a guide, without protection from uh, the society around me. Yeah. So I was exposed to both the greatest and worst parts of the society and didn't, and didn't necessarily... When I showed up in Beijing, it was much more chaperoned. Yeah. And it was when I was in Shanghai and in Hangzhou before that. Yeah. And leading up to the games, you could see what was going on, you know, in the country. And especially the trains through the countryside, you could see the farming. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway. When That's we, what I want to get out when, there. But when we were in Vietnam and in Cambodia, for example, I didn't even go to Angkor Wat, which is, I feel like, the only thing worthwhile to do there. And I shouldn't, I'm probably going to edit that out because I don't want to diss on that vacation. Why, why would that be the only thing that's worthwhile to do in Cambodia? Well, Cambodia is a very sad country. Yeah, I know. Uh, they, I'm just, I know, man, I study that extensively. The so history. they're ex- they're exploited a lot by European tourists and Chinese tourists. So they have, it's, it's a lot of... What, like, like luxurious? Kind yeah, of? there's like five-star resorts w- amidst nothing. Mass poverty. There's <laughs> just huts and then five-star resorts. And it's because they, it's just even cheaper than... Than China and Vietnam, it's like twenty cents for a beer there, and it's it's everything's ridiculously cheap, and, and that's it's just why... tourists all over the place. As really? like it's like we treat the Bahamas in some ways, they treat uh, Cambodia, because Cambodia is so much cheaper than Singapore, or Vietnam. Even Vietnam now, Vietnam is way more pretty expensive, expensive these yeah. days. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not that it's it's pretty expensive. It's but just relative. Cambodia is the cheapest place and I it's think, still, in the entire region. Yeah, and it's still close to everything. Yeah, exactly. And it has beautiful beaches with great yeah. uh, uh, sea life. Anyway, but, but I felt like on huh. that entire trip, I was censored by the group around me of tourists, by uh, the tour guides, by the experience as a whole because everything was, you know, you had to buy an experience. You'd go on, let's say... Uh, ride an elephant or yeah go. yeah I saw the but, picture of you on the elephant right but all those experiences were you know you'd get taken by a guide mm-hmm. on a mm-hmm. on a boat and then a guide on a bus and you never got to walk through the cities we did some of that thankfully like Jade's family was definitely interested in mm-hmm. doing those things so we pursued some of those uh, experiences we went to a really great Chinese place in the middle of Vietnam 
where nobody spoke English. We had to order in Chinese. Thankfully, some of Jade's family speaks Chinese. Really? Well, half of her family was with us is from Indonesia. Uh, they're all... Um, Jade's grandma is Chinese and has half Chinese, half Indonesian. No. So she speaks both Chinese and Indonesian. So is they Indonesian speak both. language? That's really um, ignorant of me to ask. But. I believe so. I mean, I don't know. It might have a, an official name, but as far as I know, they've always referred to it in-house as Indonesian. What's uh, Tagalog? I don't know. That's another language. That sounds right? familiar, though. My girlfriend's family speaks an Indonesian dialect for the record. Bahasa Indonesia is the official language of Indonesia, and Tagalog is an Austronesian language of the Philippines. Just for the record. I think it's we'll a, look that up. Not we'll now. insert it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say that I, I feel like I want to experience Israel in the same way. I have friends who live there, and mm -hmm. I feel like it would be much more interesting to just go stay with them. Of course, and yeah. like roam around Israel. Yeah. And, and, and people were like, well, you can go there for free with Birthright and then stay extra and then you know buy your flight back. But I have and to deal with all the shit in the middle. Yeah, yeah and then, I, and then I, how do I devote a month of my life at this point to that? No, I'm, no, no, I'm no. in my late 20s, got to get stuff done, got to make podcasts like this. This is important work. <laughs> yeah, fucking a man. We can't we can't wait three more months before the next one. We actually try to we should like bang out like two more. Oh, we're gonna bang out one a month from now on. Yeah, we're doing we're meeting every two weeks. That's the whole thing. We met two weeks ago. We're gonna meet. We met two weeks. You know what I mean? And we're gonna meet every in two weeks from now. We're gonna finalize this one, and then two weeks after that we're gonna film the new one, and then two weeks after that we're gonna finalize those. Two weeks after that new one, and then until you leave, get on the cycle. Because Hunter's gonna move to San Fran at the end. Yeah. But we'll get back to that, because I have something to say about that. But I want to talk about the fact that we are on the Upper East Side today. Can we turn the video off? It's kind of it's kind of weird. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it was good for the beginning. Yeah. Just use it for that intro. Yeah, it was cool. Bye, guys. I'm just going to get... Uh, Hunter's going to get a second beer. What beer are you getting? The other homebrew? Let's all... Unless you have another one that... Oh, I have... Um, do you want to grab the... Uh, uh, we either grab... There's two in there. There's the Lagunitas Undercover. And Flying Dog? And, yeah, the Raging Bitch. But oh. I feel, I thought the Raging Bitch would be better for later tonight because we don't have to really review it so much because we already know it so well. Um, okay. The, the other one would be better for now. Speaking of which, <clears throat> what would you give your homebrew? What's our scale? It's Monopoly. Four houses and then a hotel. You can't give half houses. There's no such thing as a half star anymore. Oh, God. Um, am I still mic'd on there, do you think? Now I probably am. Um, that's an excellent question. Let's see. I don't think, I don't think you were mic'd for that bit. That's alright, So, whatever. we're gonna be reviewing Hunter's Homebrew right now. I need that bottle opener, though. Um, so yeah, we're thinking, I'm thinking, you know what, like, it's hard, because you can't, now I'm gonna be all, like, kind of an asshole, but you can't really judge a homebrew on the same level as you can judge a, uh... Yeah, you can. A commercial beer. No, that's not true at all. Because I think that the homebrew... I, I thought I maybe thought that way until my second homebrew experience, where I finally crafted a really great beer, and I realized this is just as good as a lot of things that are market. Yeah, that's true. So, I would... In that case, I would give it... There's no halvesies? No, it's out of five, though, if you think about it. I mean, you can give a half. Is this still recording? No, it's just on. I kind of like seeing myself. But All right, well, we're going to leave it on for now. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Mike. Um, okay, we'll, leave, we'll, we'll put in halvesies. So there's, so there's half? No, even, no, I don't even need a half. Okay, thank you. Three. Three? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give it three, too. Okay. I was thinking about two. I was really at 2.5, so I rounded up. That's the whole point, is that we have to, we have to be strict. Yeah. Because so I feel like it's better than the average beer, but if it were carbonated better... If it were a little more rounded and less biting, it could be a five. It really could be. And if it, it was more freshly hopped. Yeah, wait. I Oh, you only poured half of that. It looked like a lot more. Yeah, well, that's... All right, and then that's the Undercover Investigation Ale. Yeah, well, I drink this all the time. Yeah. I, I Well, it's a great one. And I feel like it's a, it's a really... There's uh, a great story for it, too. Do you know that? Uh, I think that well, we learned about it when we were in college, actually. But uh, you want to tell it? Because I... Have forgotten most of it. Yeah, let's let me tell it. Well, let me start with a quote on the bottle. It's a good way to start. Let me take a little sip first. You want to just chug that and then we'll. No, just go ahead. I'm gonna drink it while you tell the story, and then I'll be done with it by the time we get to the end. And then we'll talk about some um, mm. politics and so mm. on, and shit, culture and shit. Mm. That's so good. That's right. 
Alright, we brewed this. This is from the bottle. We brewed this especially bitter ale in dedication to all the world's would-be astronauts in remembrance of the 2005 St. Patrick's Day Massacre on the brewery party grounds and also in joyous celebration of our 28... Wait, pause. What is that? I'm gonna get to that. It's almost done. Okay, sorry. And also in joyous celebration of our 20-day suspension that following January. Do the crime, do the time. Get the bragging rights. Cheers! Um... So basically... That's so funny because of the crime time thing we said in the first episode. Oh yeah, that's right. So, let's start out with would-be astronauts. That's the best place to start. And also, Yeah, what is the would-be astronauts? What is the St. Patrick's Day massacre? So, at the brewery, I mean, these guys basically, in every poster that they have, they've inserted 420 somewhere. So, on their, on their, um, their pint glasses, their custom mm-hmm. pint glasses, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a custom-made jar. Yes. With the dog imprinted on it, like, out externally. And then different numbers up the side, but it's like 3.14 dot dot. And like... Oh, I've se- yeah, 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 I've seen it. A fraction. Yeah. And then I think 41 and also 420. Like, they're all in there, you know? And 420 is always in the, in the poster. So, um, so at on St. Patrick's Day 2005, they're having some, like, after party or something at the brewery. And they were like... I don't know if they were undercover or not, but basically they got busted because someone happened to be smoking weed on the premises. Like, I'm not sure if it was an employee or not, but someone was just smoking weed. Um, and they, they had a 20-day suspension. So would-be astronauts is, like, people trying to get high, you know? That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I thought it was something like they got shut down for... for Because yeah. they had an extravagant party. I remember the party part. I didn't remember yeah. the rest of it. That explains all those numbers and things. I thought they was just making a reference to... No, not know. the numbers so much, but yeah. What was it saying about, like, um, brewery party grounds... You know, so, undercover investigation yeah. now. So you know how they um they excavated a bunch of uh, land for their uh, brewery expansion? Cheers. And then they... Um, can we do it again so it's more clingy? I, don't hold... Yeah, just hold yeah, the bottle. No, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that was a good one. Hold that transition. Just bought this uh, glass today at Housing Works. Mm. Man, what do you think about it? It's, it's kind of like what my beer's trying to be. Yeah. That's exactly what I think about. It's an advanced version of what your beer is. It's an it's kind of an American wild style with a lot of hops. Yep, which is basically just an imperial IPA a- ambery. Amber, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Right? It. I mean, it's I mean, American wild style. I think is a classification for anything that they can't find a way to classify into another beer. There are barley wines that they've classified as. Yeah, American I wild mean, style. that's what's so interesting about because that's basically the classification of every Lagunitas beer out there. Well, there's also no. They no. have IPAs. No, I know. I'm just. I mean, I'm being facetious, but like uh, every like special edition one that comes around. I mean, what would you call little something something? Not little something wild. I mean, that's even harder to classify. Little something something I call uh, like a grand saison. It's not that, but <laughs> I don't know what a. It's it's it's, uh, it's, it's an it's, amber double saison. <laughs> it's basically what it is, actually, because it's got that fruity, fruity, fruity yeast on it. And it's it's not very mall heavy, but it's darker than a saison, and it's and more then a little something wild is like that with an IPA added into it. Well, that's what's so funny is that all they're doing is actually well, no, no, no. Here's the thing: we're being wrong. A little something, some is is not a saison style because it doesn't use Belgian yeast. No, I'm just saying that's what it tastes like to me. It's not. It's not it actually. Does, it, it's it. It is harder to classify. What is? What do they classify that as? They, the, they don't even classify shit over there. Double American ale. Yeah, I guess they don't. What is this? Just it's all ales. Yeah. No lagers. That's the big thing. No, they. Oh no, they do a they do a pills. Lagers yeah. are gonna be. I, we to actually make. had the pills the other night. It's very it's very good. Yeah. I, it's very clean. I'm not a huge fan of pills. I feel like they're very yeah. boring. Yeah. What's the point of drinking? But pills but now? I also feel like it's. Well, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I disagree because I think the yeah, it's a, good for barbecues on the beach. I was gonna say exactly. It's good for experiential, uh, like festivals. Uh, for example. I feel like a pilsner would be the perfect thing at a German beer festival if you had to drink a lot that day. Yeah. You wouldn't want to start with an Oktoberfest, you know, like or like a Doppelbach or some crazy ugh, ass shit. Ugh. Or they should make Tropelbox. It's like a triple Doppelbach. I think that would be too intense. I think there's a reason they haven't made that. I'm not a huge fan of Doppelbox to begin with. I think they are. Really? The, That's where they I get are into the cheapest beer for alcohol content in terms of beer you can make. Do you realize that? Uh, is it because of the the malt? Is where the grains are cheap? What kind yeah. of grains they use? I don't remember. 
Oh. We should look into that. And German German high octane yeast is cheaper than Belgian. But that's yeah. but it is it is always the cheapest beer that any company sells for alcohol content. And I, I maybe barley wine sometimes occasionally like a monster, for example, kind of. You know they're not making monster anymore. Yeah, I know. It's been it's really disappointing. Do you want to know why? Yes. I actually know why because my manager is buddies with the rep down in Philly. Good buddies. Oh, and I this met. This isn't a sordid story, is it? Because I would like to go to Brooklyn Brewery at some point. I'm still a fan. A what story? Sorted. What, what does that mean? Sad. Tragic. Sorted? Sorted. How do you spell that? S-O-R-D-I-D. I'm not sure if I even actually know that word. Huh. It's good to learn one word every day. Awesome. <laughs> Sorted. Oh, okay. Yeah, it kind of sounds like that would be what it would be. All right, yeah, no, it is kind of sad. But anyway, I also, I met the, um, the head, they have a chef, like a resident chef at Broken Brewery. Super nice guy. Really nice guy. Um, he was cooking at Molly Molly's across from me. Um, and anyhow, um, oh, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah, so basically Monster was named after the brew- brewery dog, and then the dog died. Oh. So they don't like the beer anymore. And I respect that. That's, that's but I really want the beer. flawed logic, I feel like. They could rename the beer, come out with a slight variation, make an 11 or 12% instead of a 10%, or even a 9%, like... Um, Bigfoot? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was about to call it... What's the other name for Bigfoot? Sasquatch. Sasquatch. I was about to call it Sasquatch. That would be a yeah. good name for it. <laughs> That'd be kind of <laughs> just, <laughs> just as a strike against... Or just Big Feet. I just call it... East Coast, West Coast rivalry. Beer style. When are we gonna open up a brewery, dude? Let's not talk about that here. Oh. It's, it's too disappointing. No, it's not. We're well, young. I mean, the prospects are too disappointing at this point. We we need to get some uh, some large investments. I don't know. It'd was, be great in, in the end. I was looking at this book. Yeah. If that if that was the conclusion of this entire podcast was us opening a brewery and doing a podcast about opening a brewery. Yeah. That would be the greatest possible conclusion. Success in my mind. story ever. Just yeah. for me. I mean, it wouldn't... I feel like the greatest success story that could happen would be TV show, I guess. That's what every podcast hopes to become in some mm-hmm. ways, right? Mm-hmm. Or a full-time radio show? No, I just want to open up a brewery. No, I know, but yeah. I'm saying I'm saying our goals are very different than, yeah. than somebody like Comedy show. Bang Bang or... Yeah, that's pretty funny, though. Doug Loves Movies, I don't think, should be a TV show. And, and that's a whole other... Well, it's funny because Marin, right, is a podcast, but... A very different TV show. But his TV show is, is, is Well, awesome. Comedy Bang Bang is very different. I feel... I yeah, love still the podcast. A, not a huge fan of the But Comedy show. Bang Bang still has this uh, talk show format that, that Marin doesn't really have. I mean, Marin incorporates his podcast into the show, but it's like kind of like Louie incorporates stand-up into Louie. Mm-hmm. And that's why those two shows are very kind of similar and both great. It's very subtle and artistic rather than... Uh, just a literal. reinterpretation of the exact same format. Yep. Well, I actually, but but at times Scott breaks into things where, it, where for example, with Jillian Jacobs, he had that uh, Terminator parody where he like walked out to his car and it was an apocalyptic event going on outside of the studio. Okay, yeah, I think there was some good. Yeah, I, I forgot. I don't think I may haven't seen that, but it's that. That's actually my problem with the show is that I feel as if the show is too scripted, whereas the the show, the podcast. podcast, and the live show were all about improv comedy. Yeah, cool. I'm all going right. to see it uh, this weekend, so I'm very know. excited. Paul nice. Tompkins, Scott Ackerman, two of my favorite people in the world. We'll get back to that, I guess. Then. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about the subject at hand. Upper East Side. Uh, we're going to be on the Upper East Side today. Uh, we're going to three places in New York. He means Detut, Cafe Del Seis, and City Swiggers. Not in that order. But um, I want to talk a little bit about the Upper East Side as a basis for a talk about land values and land ownership in the United States. So I thought I'd start with this uh, article in the New York Times that was called Four Starters, the Upper East Side. Made a lot of headlines because it's the first time in a long time that uh, the Upper East Side has been declared as a place to live as opposed to a backup as a place to live. Backup? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I, uh, I myself moved uh, to the Upper East Side from Harlem. Uh, Harlem is kind of right now, I would say, the one of the cheapest feasible places to live in New York City. Yeah. Bronx is definitely cheaper. I don't think a lot of people want to live there. But you're still farther out, yeah. You're, far, you're too far out. Um, anyway... Uh, I was living in Harlem before this. Yeah. 
uh, I decided to move to the Upper East Side mainly because I looked at uh, rent everywhere else and anywhere else that was accessible to the city outside from Astoria, um, the Upper East Side seemed the cheapest option. Uh, and when I found this place, uh, which is a one bedroom, uh, it seemed like a dream. Uh, and in this bedroom, we have exposed brick, we have a laundry machine, we have granite countertops, hardwood floors, a dishwasher. I'm bragging now, dude. Oh, I'm not just bragging. I'm trying to. I'm trying to say that the Upper East Side is this uh, beacon of cheap, uh, relative, rent, relative. relatively cheap rent in New York City. I'm still paying the price that we paid for our essentially our whole house senior year, which had a hot tub and a pool and a backyard and a greenhouse and a, uh, a creek in the back. But like it's kind of in the middle bedrooms. of nowhere. But no, yeah, yeah different, different beast. No, I mean this is for New York. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. It is cheap. Now <clears throat> this girl, Julie Marie, Julie Murray, <laughs> in the New York Times article said that the Upper East Side is very inconvenient for twenty somethings, uh, and that she would rather be in the Lower East Side where everything's happening. Um, but the East Village is too expensive right now. Um, now, I first of all I want to talk about like is 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 that a relative uh, comparison for a place to live? Like like is Montana inconvenient? Like, do you think do you think the Upper East Side is inconvenient? We have grocery stores, we have bars, we just don't have the clubs and and music venues and maybe comedy venues of the Lower East Side. The Lower East Side is definitely where. Uh, New York City culture and well, that and Williamsburg are where New York City culture is based right now or at least liberal culture beepity beep no that was uh, of my phone oh okay I mean to me, oh god it's like shut up is all I want to say <laughs> I don't really care about this car- I mean not about this conversation I do care about that but about her opinion regarding that just because like it's, a, it's, it's a, all nonsense. Because you're in New York it? City. You're it's in a 30 the minute most... subway ride, also. And yeah. But that's a real question because if you live, let's say, in somewhere in New Jersey or like Englewood Cliffs or Fort Lee, uh, you could get here in easily 30 minutes. So is it better to live someplace where you could have an actual, you know, space um, and, and have to take a, a, a longer commute? Well, I mean, there's something to be said about walking outside your door and kind of just, like, being in the city, you know? It's like, the city. It's like the, the fucking city lights inspire you. That, that, that song. You well, know? that's why there are there are now apartments in New York City, as that Tumblr pointed out, that are ex- as expensive as uh, castles. Of course. And why would you ever pick an apartment over a castle? Because Besides maintenance. Location. Location, location, location. The majority, motherfucker. But but that's what I'm talking about. This uh, but anyway, the, she goes on to say this is a family area, um, and the article talks Wait, about as she says that as a negative thing. Yeah, that this is a family area, and that she has to confront people with uh, strollers all the time who are trying to run her down, and uh, I don't know all this nonsense. Which oh is exactly why God. we moved here in some way because Jade wanted Shut to live up. in a more family oriented neighborhood. Dude, um, yeah, like, dude, that's the best possible kind of neighbor to live in. But the big point is that in the 70s and 80s, the East, Upper East Side was the cool and hip place to live. People lived here or the Upper West Side if they wanted to move to the cheaper option, actually, at that time. It's very weird to think about what New York yeah. City was like at that time. Um, but it was Damn. such a big deal in the Upper East Side that they had this place, the Normandy Court, that was nicknamed the Dormandy Court because there were so many 20-somethings living there. Yeah. Um, and then the shift started to happen where everyone started to move to... Uh, Williamsburg and and uh, Brooklyn Heights and Prospect Heights and uh, well, got, it got more it got expensive here. Well, it didn't just. It's not even that it got expensive here. It got it got less hip to live here because people were already doing it in some ways. But it's interesting yeah, because now the Upper East Side has this different classification as covered by uh, this TV show Broad City that I'm really into. That's incredible New York show. City. Yeah, they, that's where they're lo- supposed to be located. No, no, no. But there's an episode where they go to the Upper East Side and they're they're talking to people and they see all these. Uh, strollers well they see all these women with strollers and then older women with plastic surgery who are judging them and then all these they're in Brooklyn yeah they're based in Brooklyn and they and they come up here and it's it's like a horror show to them and then they're talking about why would anyone live here this is a crazy place to live and then somebody walks up to them and says hey do you know where the Met is and they're like yeah oh it's like two blocks that way (laughs) the the Metropolitan Art Museum obviously no I know that but I'm saying how about do they know that? Because because they're like, oh, that's what oh that's no no it's it's a it's a joke obviously that that's why uh, people would live here because right. because 
this is Museum Row. There's right. there's this huge cultural base here. There's restaurants. There's bars. And that's and that's kind of what I'm arguing for today is that we're gonna go to these places that have been created in the last uh, twenty years. I'm I'm unsure about Del Cey, so We're gonna find out the date on that. The last the other two have been created in the last four years. Mm. Um, that have become these kind of hot spots of culture. One of them is even called Downtown Uptown. Um, and we'll get back to that later, but I, I feel as if the Upper East Side is having this reincarnation as a place to live in, in New York City. And there's this other article that was done by Zumper where they uh, every year Zumper releases the median rents for one bedrooms in New York City. And for the first time, the Upper East Side is cheaper than two of the area, the two main areas in Brooklyn. Now, there are other areas in Brooklyn, certainly Bayside's still cheaper. Um, for some reason, the East Village says, and, and Lower East Side, I mean, the Lower East Side is apparently cheaper than the Upper East Side, but if you look at, uh, experiential evidence, it seems that there are less listings, uh, so they're less competitive, and also smaller listings. They're, they're, they would be tighter spaces for the amount you're paying for a one-bedroom. Um, but Williamsburg is actually $300 more expensive now than the Upper East Side. Now, people should still move to Astoria and Long Island City as those are the cheapest places to live if you want to live in New York City, which maybe you shouldn't live in New York City. I don't want to necessarily live here. I wouldn't. I don't want to live here. Yeah, do you want to know where you can get a, a fucking fat one-bedroom for 1200 in Philadelphia? And you can also get a fat two-bedroom for probably... 800 if you're right. going to live a little bit south. However, you're going to move back to San Francisco, which is becoming even more expensive than it is here. Yeah, but probably by San Francisco, we're talking about Oakland. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but see, that is Astoria right now. That that, that was Harlem. Or that that was is Brooklyn. That's going to be the Bronx next. If they, I don't think I don't know if the Bronx will ever become like that, but that's going to be the new gentrified region of New, of New York City. Yeah. No, and that's kind of one thing that's going to be interesting is that you're right. I, I will say that... Um, it's 30 minutes away, right? This, How long is it from Oakland to San Francisco? You know, it's, it's less than that without traffic, but, you know, about that with traffic. But I will say that at least for Manhattan, Manhattan, the prices are still slightly lower compared to San Francisco. Not by much. Yeah, but the tech companies are going to continue pushing that up. My my friend, of course, uh, yes, my friend who is an investment banker moved out there as in as a tech entrepreneur, and he lives near Berkeley, just trying to pick up clients. And people are doing that all over the place, you know. It's ridiculous, yeah. And I mean interns, not clients, but he's picking up both, you know. <laughs> well, hopefully, um, yeah, man. I just it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. But yeah, they said there was nothing to do on the Upper East Side, and I, I feel like that's kind of nonsense in, in, in terms of New York City. I mean, it's, it is certainly harder to get up here, which I think is the big uh, I got up problem. here from fucking Philly, dude. Like, I don't understand what the issue is. No, no, but that the, the there's only one train line, which has been overloaded, the 456. Yeah, it's, uh, it actually is really crowded. And there's two train lines on the West Side. There's pretty much two train lines in Williamsburg. There's, there's two train lines everywhere else but here, but they are building the other one. Yeah, they it's supposed were. to be open like next summer. And really? And when it happens, I feel that all the rents are going to skyrocket here, and this will become competitive with the Upper West. Oh, Valley. no question. So I, but this is an interesting point to lead into Henry George because, isn't that, uh, like, do the landowners shouldn't the landowners be paying a higher tax because the city's building that, that subway? It's not like they are ben- they create. Well, the their taxes indirectly pay for it, but not in the way that they should. Yeah, um, th- th- this is going to be. A They're fact. paying equally to the people on the Upper West Side who are not benefiting well, nearly as much as they are. Maybe uh, I'm not sure if we know that's true or not, but um, I guess so. City tax. Well, yeah, in terms of the city taxes, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean businesses. Turn- yeah, and- turns out, yeah, if they if you tax the land the rental land value, um, after right directly around this rail after it was built, then the, the basically it's a it's a balance, perfectly balanced. You. The tax income equals the cost of the project, or maybe more accurately, the economic benefit of the project, quite literally. But here is where I, I, I think uh, we need to draw some lines in terms of modernization of Henry George's theories, because if we tax the businesses in the same way that we tax the, the landowners, uh, you know, will the businesses that own, uh, let's say, Panera Bread, for example, or something. Well, that's owns not an example because that's a huge corporate chain. Yeah, I know. Uh, so let's pick something better. Um, Whatever the corner bodega. Yeah, the corner bodega. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, 
their uh, customer base is affected by the fact that the subway is being built in front of their bodega. Yeah. So they lose business during that period where there's a wall basically built between them and the street. Yes. Uh, do they have to pay the same taxes as the person who lives uh, half a block away from the actual location of the subway and isn't uh, affected by uh, the, the building? Well, I mean, there's, the way you would actually do that efficiently is that you would um, – you price the taxation accordingly to kind of how much it raises your property value individually. So presumably the guy, the business, would be paying proportionally a higher tax compared to the person who lives slightly farther away after it was built. So okay? it isn't until the project is completed. Yes, but here's right. what I would say. In, in an ethical taxation or just like city structure, you would compensate – the businesses around the construction site for lack uh, loss of revenue, or maybe that's insurance's policy. But I agree that that is bad. But that's not necessarily the whole thing's policy. Um, you want to take a little commercial break? Got to take a go to the restroom. All yeah. right, and we're not recording restrooms this time. So I think we're just gonna keep recording. But I'm not gonna. You can just go. Right. We're back. Yes. Welcome back. Should I sing the song again? Coming back from the break. <laughs> that's fine. All right, so um, so yeah, the other thing I want to talk about in New York City, uh, in the New York Times recently, another article that came up in the last week. Yeah, you've been reading this New York Times. What well, is this? I have a subscription to New York Times. What is it? What honest. is it? We talked about this in the last episode. They're kind of they're, besides BBC and you know, like just general reading other scholarly articles. New York Times has been like my base for news yeah. since since high school just because uh, I know they're just they kind of rushing well in, in yeah in my government class they made us get a subscription to either Washington Post or New York Times I chose New York Times and I just kind of kept the subscription going mm-hmm. I like The Economist better actually of the things that I read um, which is funny yeah they're at least a little more impartial although very much conservative it's interesting you know I feel like they're more impartial definitely but they come from a, they come from a British conservative standpoint which is just like well, but rational but, fiscal conservatism. But there's still a more international viewpoint. No, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. It's like this base, but they're not afraid to step outside of the party kind of, or not being party, but like ideological boundaries. Anyway, this this guy in the New York Times who's been preaching on uh, MSNBC a lot lately uh, has been saying that you know we should view preaching? housing. He's, well, I, it's Metaphorically, hard, yeah, it's hard to. Uh, okay. To define what people are doing on MSNBC or Fox News. Okay, okay, okay. Um, He's been saying that we should view housing as a consumption good and that we should rent instead of buy. And in this article, he compares buying uh, houses to buying food uh, and talks about if we imagine that we bought food like a house, uh, then we would use uh, food essentially against each other as an investment opportunity uh, so that... It, like if you bought like your stock of chicken for the year, yeah, at the beginning of the year, rather than buying chicken every day, yeah, that you, chicken futures, yeah, that you would. Well, it's not chicken futures. No, I know, I know. Okay, okay. Because because he differentiates because he says the main thing is that he would not use housing at least as an investment. He would use it as a as a functional object. Um, as an investment, it's a poor investment compared to a stock portfolio because of a housing. If if your investment loses twenty percent of its potential value, then you uh, also then then your your investment tanks as opposed to a stock which could then rise out of that. Well, just because this, the cycle of, of, of real estate is a lot uh, slower than the cycle of stock. But more importantly, I mean, he's absolutely right, even if he's only touching the tip of the iceberg. Bottom line is real estate, property, let's call it, it should not be an investment opportunity, period. Exactly. And the reason is, it's just Henry George, dude. Because what does that do? It drives up... Listen, I, this is my favorite example of Henry George. And we can get more into this thing later on, just because it's, it's so... I want to just do an episode where we're just like straight up tell it like it is. But I'm, I'm reading back up my old college shit, trying to like get... And I brought one of the books here today. And I've been reading Habermas, actually, German philosophy. It's going to be coming from a very different uh, well, societal commentary. Well, that would be interesting, though. I'm glad to see those guys enmesh. But... What I was going to say is that, you know, in, in San Francisco, in the Mission District, which is super up and coming, like super hip, like real estate is actually like prohibitively expensive now, partly because of the tech, but just partly because it's on the up and ups for a while. And like on Valencia Street, which is one of the more expensive kind of like uh, commerce streets, there's 
this empty gas station. It's a fenced out, like non in use, old derelict gas station. And derelict. It's just been sitting there exactly. It's exactly what it is. There's like a few cars in the you know in there, but it's not a parking area. And even those are like stupid too, but I know, but I can't help think of Zoolander. So yeah, right. The derelict campaign. <laughs> but basically like it's there because someone bought it and they're waiting for the optimal time to sell as if it were stock. And I have my own quandaries with um, stocks as an investment function as well. And that still, I think, is fucked up. But regardless, the whole idea is like real estate is for use. I think I think I should read this guy's stuff because I agree with it on, on, on a more on a, not more a more deep le- or deeper level, but just equal is very deep level well that's the whole thing about this guy i feel like he has a really good idea surface level about it yes yeah he hasn't all the articles he's written up i read about three or four of them you know before this and i would say most of them are under a couple pages from like an investment perspective yeah they're they're more they're more just common sense which maybe they need to be i mean our podcast isn't the most intellectual or informative or even exam we, it's not like we're we're doing microscopic examinations of political issues. It kind of looks like a micro, microscope. Um, but I feel like as a result, he might have a bigger audience. But anyhow, yeah. But my my point being is just to like on a larger level, yeah, exactly. Beyond, I I assume this guy's talking about again. I've never read it. That it's basically like we need to essentially get rid of the notion of real estate as an investment function at all. Beyond just paying off it so you can live in it. You know, and hopefully, and, and just like getting your money back, you know what I mean? Because the whole idea is that's the rental value, that's that's your tax base. Because what you're paying, what you can like, that's it's it's so stupid because land is inherently fixed, right? There's no more land being created, um, which I think is the inherent uh, basis of Henry George's yeah, logic. and the and the flaw in, in current neoclassical economic theory. Exactly, that's the biggest differential, and that it's subsumed unless under we capital. start building on the moon. Or I mean, people argue. Yeah, people argue like building up. Yeah, building up and stuff. But anyhow, like what I was gonna say is just that. Is that you buy a piece of property for ten thousand dollars? You sit on it for five years. Somehow it's worth thirty thousand dollars. And let's say you didn't do a shit to it. Let's say it's just not even a building. It's just land, right? Then you sell it for thirty. There are new resources. For example, like lithium became a very valuable resource all of a sudden. Okay, or you, yeah, and maybe you are near that, or like a road was built nearby, or like it got more populated, or the area beyond it was more Gold developed was out. What? Gold was found. Yeah, it, it, it can be, be anyone, be anywhere from a natural thing to like a human thing, and it doesn't matter your rents or your rental value, quote unquote. I don't mean like what you could rent it for, but like the property rent. Yeah, but I feel like with the human thing, that's where it becomes a controversial issue in some ways because if there are a lot of issues right now in terms of taxation. I feel as if Henry well, George's theory only makes sense in the view that there is no income tax as well. Because if people aren't taxed, that takes away so much of the taxes that we're already paying that I think people would be more open to paying more governmental taxes in other areas of their lives. Well, that's where it made exactly more the sense. point. That's exactly the point. Income taxes are inefficient in, in that sense. Right, but I think right now people... Are, are not as open to talking about land taxes or reforming land taxes, which is part of the reason we need this podcast. But I think people are, are closed off to those possibilities because they're so entrenched in this world where we have income and sales tax as the oh, basis of course. for and sales the tax government. Even, even worse. Like, and that's, his idea was not that this would be more taxation. It would be the taxation, period. Exactly. There I know. Be no I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, maybe today that that is no, as, not as realistic as it was when he was saying. But I still think that that tax base is far larger. And on a purely like classical economic level, there's no dead weight loss to it. That, that's the biggest thing is that income tax and every other kind of sales taxes. I mean, think about that. They just take money out of the economy unnecessarily. Well, I, I do think that there are certain sales taxes like um, well, guns, ethical reasons, tobacco, that's different. alcohol. That is a tax for a purpose, not just to raise revenue. Bottle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 All those are for ethical reasons, to, to promote a good behavior or uh, decrease a bad behavior in the populace. Exactly, and those have been very successful as opposed to things like income tax, which I feel like destroys the... Job it, well, it's a disincentive to hire and a disincentive to work in a weird fucking way. And I mean, that's the whole laugher curve on the extreme end of things, which is, is bullshit. But if you could have a tax that created no disincentive, why wouldn't you? And that's the whole point. It's like, it's the least bad tax. That's what's so funny is that for like Democrats, you know, 
um, not to defend any any particular political party here, but like, no one likes taxes. <laughs> it's just like no one likes abortions. Like, give me a break. Like, well, I I, th- I would say they're on two different levels. I think people. I know they're on two different levels. Dislike same thing. taxes. I think people feel that abortions are. Of course, I'm. I know they're on two different levels, but just like abomination, just like pro life, right? That's like saying pro not giving my money away. You know what I mean? Pro keeping my money. Everybody's pro life and everybody's pro keeping their money. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes we have to build things. But like sometimes abortions and taxes are necessary evils. Especially so I don't equate the two. I I. I, but you I know don't saying. entirely agree with the the comparison, but I agree with the conclusion, which is the uh, it's a bad it's a bad analogy. All right, well, maybe we'll edit this out. Yeah, but but I feel like the conclusion that um, wait, what was the other thing? Not not abortion. So was the thing taxes. I feel like the conclusion that every nobody wants taxes. Uh, we death is another good one, right? Death and taxes. Yeah, no nobody wants taxes. We accept them as part of a societal bond, social contract, if you will. Yeah, that we that JL. we feel towards one another, rather than feeling as if this is a, a game where we're all individuals and we're trying to like win. Yeah, and fuck everyone else over because I want first place. Yeah. All right. So before we shut down uh, and go on this adventure where we're gonna hit up these three places, I think we're gonna start at City Swiggers, go to Dalsace for the early dinner. Uh, it's two courses for twenty bucks. And then thank you, uh, for paying us for that. We appreciate it. End up at a uh, detot, but um, before we do that, we need to give a quick uh, review of Undercover Investigation. So, what would you rate this as? Four. Four. I agree. It's not perfect, but it's it's just. It's I don't know. I'm gonna really reserve my five for you know special occasions. For the best of. This is beers. very. This is close to a five. It's, it's so a four point two in my mind, but that's a four. It's funny because I've been using um I've been using uh, Untapped. You use that? Yeah. Yeah. I met those people at a. Oh yeah. At the at a beer festival. A the, the the founders. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. We wow. interviewed them. That's awesome. All right. Well, um, yeah, we're gonna go on this cool trip. Oh, this beer. Um, it's basically like an amber hoppy imperial IPA kind of right. Like. Oh, we discussed the beer. I think. Yeah. I just think we didn't give it a yeah, exact four, review. Yeah. Four solid four. All I'd right. Pr- I give it a four three. All right, guys. See you in a bit. Peace. So that's kind of how we're going to do it from now on. Part one is the first part of the episode where we do the before the adventure, and part two will be the after. So next week will be a drunken, stupid affair. Hope you enjoy it. Till then, story time. So I had this idea for the podcast where at the end of every episode we try to tell like a story from our past uh, or something that like you know we thought was interesting that happened. Because I always think it's funny when drunken people tell stories. I think that's mm. the great part about drunk history. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, here's that segment. Story time. Story time, 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 was it, was it his 21st birthday? No, it could have been 21st. He must have been, like, younger than that. Uh, but we are we decided we, he, he loved beer pong, so we decided we were going to play an epic game of beer pong because we didn't really play beer pong at bar. It wasn't really a thing. No. Because there was no frat culture, and, like, it was more of, like, a dinner party school, right? Yeah. Onion article. Yeah. Which but real. I appreciate generally. Oh, definitely. And there was a lot of good concerts, a lot of good, like, shows, like, theater and... And just going into the woods and having bonfires. Yeah, and exactly. But there wasn't a lot of beer pong or drinking games as a whole. 
So anyway, we decided we were going to get a, a large piece of wood and put two trash cans underneath and make a giant beer pong table. Yeah, we bought really a, epic. We bought a gigantic piece of wood piece of wood yeah. I was holding that on the roof as we were driving well that's there. the thing is we thought that it, it was, was way too big small for the enough car. that we could fit it in the car and then we got it back to the car and we are like oh yeah what do we do why do we, <laughs> do we fucking and then we go back and buy a rope or something yeah we go back and we get a bunch of rope and tie it to the top but it of doesn't the really hold it yeah, I'm, I'm on like doing this yeah, thing. We're both like holding it out the window and it's freezing cold <laughs> oh yeah because it's late in the fall yeah and it's up you know up north so it's it's frigid. So we are all switching off who's holding it on top of the car. I because, totally forgot about that. Because people's hands are going numb. People like we, we have to bring them in and then and then heat them up and then we go back out and you know we keep getting tingly and it's it's horrible. So we get we got it back. Uh, we did end up playing beer pong that night. Yeah, really drunk probably. Yeah, that was the night with the cat meow thing. But that's another story in itself. <laughs> Henry and Hops. Henry and Hops. Henry and Ops! Henry and Ops! Henry and Ops! It's not safe, it's not safe, dog. Okay! Hey! Watch the wolf suit!